Look at the end of verse 3. It says that Ahaz walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. Notice, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. Yes, while they were still in Egypt, God was giving those Canaanite cities and Canaanite uh, um, entities there, nations in Canaan today, modern-day Israel. He gave them space to repent. All exclaiming, Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. This describes Ahaz's participation in the worship of Molech. The pagan god Moloch was worshipped by heating a metal statue representing the god until it was red hot, then placing a living infant on the outstretched arms of the statue while beating drums drowned out the screams of the child until it burned to death. God would bring judgment upon Judah for their continued practice of these sins. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. And it was Molech, this, this god that looked like um, part bull and part you know, man. And uh, he was a, a Canaanite deity. And they did this sort of practice of causing their sons to pass through the fire. They did this in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And you may be wondering, well, where is this valley of the son of Hinnom? Well, it's located... Uh, if you look on the screen, you can see a map of it, and this area right to the south of, this is the Temple Mount up in the center right here, and this is the city of David, Zion, so right below that is the the Hinnom Valley, and right in this valley is where they would typically do these child sacrifices, and they would um, uh, have they would have this molten... Uh, uh, God that we will look at in just a moment. Today, if you were to look at this place, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom, here is a picture of it. And, and basically, this is just the, uh, there's a road going around the southern end of Mount Zion. The Temple Mount is up in this area off to the screen that you can't see. But the a road that we take a bus often uh, goes up around here like this. And this is all like a garden, and, and, and the, the soil there is very rich. And, and no doubt, because it used to be a garbage pit. And this is also where they would sacrifice, they would have a place in this area called Tof, Topheth. And it was an area where they would have an altar, and they would heat up this, uh, this deity that looks similar to this. It was a, a molten image, and they would light a fire on her, and it would become molten red, so hot. And they would take children, postpartum, they would take them and put them into the arms of Molech, and the baby would, would incinerate there in the arms of this god that they had created. 
And the worshipers would raise their voices and they would scream at the top of their lungs and they'd worship Molech so much that they couldn't hear the child screaming. And this is how awful things had become. And can you imagine the heart of God? What do you think he thought about all of that? I think you know. Now, Ahaz wasn't the only one who did this abominable practice. We know that in 2 Kings chapter 21, um, Manasseh, who was Ahaz's grandson, he also caused his son to pass through the fire. If you're um, at 2 Kings chapter 16, go to 2 Kings chapter 21. Just flip over a couple of pages to chapter 21, and we'll see that Ahaz's grandson, who we will read about in coming weeks, his name was Manasseh. He was another horrible, horrible king. And notice that he did the same practice. It says in 2 Kings 21, beginning in verse 1, Now Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hephzibah. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And why? He rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had destroyed. He raised up altars for Baal and made a wooden image, and as, as Ahab, king of Israel, had done. And he worshipped all the host of heaven, and he served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord, to which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And also, verse 6, here it is. He made his son pass through the fire, practiced soothsaying, he used witchcraft, he consulted spiritists and mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, notice, to provoke him to anger. And so this practice was done by not only uh, kings in the north, but the kings in the south began to do it as well. They began to worship. It wasn't good enough to worship the God of the creation. Now you've got to worship you know, these four-footed things and these images of things that God said for not, them not to worship. Later on in history, from, Hezekiah, or, excuse me, from Manasseh, in chapter 23 of 2 Kings, there's going to come a man, and we're going to read about him in coming weeks. His name was Josiah. He was one of the greatest kings Israel had ever had. He was, he was a reformer king. All of them were doing these horrible, despicable things. And when Josiah came to the throne, he got rid of it all. He dismantled these altars. He burned everything up. He, he, he cleaned house, literally. And it says in 2 Kings 23, verse 10, that he defiled Topheth, this place where they would, at the, at the, in the valley of the son of Hinnom, where they would do these abominable practices. He totally defiled it. Um, Josiah did, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire to Molech. And so this was uh, postpartum abortion. Think of that. Postpartum, excuse me, not postmortem, postpartum abortion. The baby's already been born, now we're going to kill it. That's what they were doing. It was murder. And these pagan practices, these pagan places of worship, like Topheth, were around way before Israel even began as a nation. We know back in the in Megiddo, up in the northern part of Israel, there is an altar up there, uh, and it's uh, about 2500 to 1800 B.C. And this altar 
was a place that they would have rituals where they would do the same thing with children. Children sacrifice. They would sacrifice animals, which was normally part of um, you know the worship of God. But they would sacrifice children. They would also have uh, temple prostitutes. They would have prostitution here at this very spot. And we've been to this place, and they've uncovered it in Megiddo, and it's there to this day. And we're seeing the same thing today. So how does this apply to us? Because that's really the crux of the whole matter. This is all nice, historically. But what about us? What about our culture that we live in today? Well, we're seeing the same thing. Laws are being passed in America that allow a, a child of a botched abortion to be killed after they're born. Did you know that? There are laws that if they try to abort and the child comes out and somehow he, he or she survives, they can finish it off after the child is born. Planned Parenthood, they perform thousands of these in-the-womb in abortions, thousands of them every day in America. And Americas, Americans, we have voted and, um, and put politicians and leaders in place that support this and protect this practice with great misguided passion. We have done this. Now, not you necessarily, but as a country, this is what we have wanted. This is what we get. And do you think... That America is going to be guiltless while God's own people, the Jews in Israel, were judged for these things? Do you think God's going to let us get away with it and say, well, you guys are Americans. You're better than everybody else. You get a pass. No. If he didn't, do, if he didn't give his own people a pass, we will not get a pass on this. So what am I saying? We're in trouble. <laughs> As a nation, we're in trouble. This country needs to repent. The church in America needs to repent. All of us need to say, Lord, I, I, I don't want to ever see this. I don't want to support this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I want to promote life. Didn't God say, today I give before you life and death. Didn't he tell that to the Jews, to the Israelites, before they crossed over into the promised land? Today I give you life and death. Blessing and cursing, therefore, choose life. And what have we done as America? We have chosen death. And we have every right for God to do whatever he wants because we've given him plenty of reasons to do that. I'm also thankful for the grace of God. He's been very gracious to America, and he's certainly gracious to his people, you and I. And obviously none of us support that. And if you do, you shouldn't. Right, But we've been forgiven. We know that God, if you're a believer in Christ, your sins have been forgiven. We know that we're, when we die or when the rapture comes, we're going to be with him. And, and he's good with that because that was his plan. But folks, there are a lot of people around us that don't believe this. And it doesn't matter whether they believe it or they don't believe it because God says it's going to happen and it's going to happen. Those who are his are going to be in heaven with him, but those who reject him to their very last breath, there is no hope for them. He gives them every opportunity, but if they reject him to the end, there's no place but hell for them. And it breaks the heart of God for anyone to choose that place. He doesn't send them there. They make the decision themselves they make the decision themselves. No one will be able to stand before the judgment of God and, for, and, and, and say, God, you never told me. I never knew the truth. 
No, God's going to say, I sent you. You remember when I sent you that Christian? You remember when I sent him again? Remember that guy who was always talking to you at work and you were like, later, I don't want to talk about it. Well, I sent them, I sent them, I sent them, and you rejected my word all of the time. No one will be able to say, I didn't know. It's very important that we receive Jesus. Extremely important. There's only one way to God. What did Jesus say in John 14, verse 6? I am the way, the only way, I'm the only truth, I'm the only life. No man comes to the Father except through me, Christ the Messiah, Jesus Christ. His name means God's salvation. That's what his name means. Jehovah Shua, God's salvation. So, Look at the end of verse 3. It says that Ahaz walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. Notice, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. Yes, while they were still in Egypt, God was giving those Canaanite cities and Canaanite uh, um, entities there, nations in Canaan today, modern-day Israel. He gave them space to repent, but they would not. They continued in their idolatry. What does it tell us in Leviticus? You might just want to write this reference down next to verse 3 here, and I'm going to read it to you. It's Leviticus chapter 18, verses 20 through 25. So just put Leviticus 18, verse 20, because this is what it says back in the Old Testament. God says this, Moreover, verse 20, You shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. There it is, folks. We don't make the rules. God made male and female. There is only an XX and an XY. That's it. You're either male or female. There's no other genders. You're male or female. God said it was good. It was very good. And now he says, be fruitful and multiply. Very easy. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these The nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. Do you see what's happening? God is saying, because I am going to judge those nations before you guys cross over into the promised land, I'm going to use you as my hammer of judgment against a nation, seven nations of people who have rejected me and are doing these things. And God says, I've had enough. Back in Genesis 15, God says, I'm not going to bring the children of Israel in there yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Do you hear the grace of God? I'm giving them space. He gave them a few hundred years, several hundred years to turn. They did not. They continued. They continued. And if I continue doing bad things, don't I deserve something as a result of that? What does the Bible tell us? The wages of sin is what? Is death. A wage is something I earn. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift is eternal life. Do you want the wages of sin or do you want the gift of God, which is eternal life through Christ Jesus? I think I'm going to take the Jesus with the eternal life part. I'm going to do that. I don't want the judgment of God. 
Raise your hand if you want the judgment of God. Nobody wants the judgment of God. I want the love of God. And do you know, it says, for God so loved the world, right? He so loved the people of the world that he gave as a gift, as a gift, an unmerited gift by grace, he gave his only son, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him shall not or, or shall, not, uh, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Do you see the wonderful thing in that? But my sin separates me from God. So what do I do with that? I, I confess my sin and receive Christ. How simple is that? Even a child can do it, and yet my pride gets in the way. And Ahaz, his pride, no, I'm going to do it my way. I want to worship my way. You can't tell me how to worship. If God tells me, Rob, this is the way I, you are to approach me. You're not speaking to a president. You're not speaking to a vice president. You're not speaking to some important person on the earth. You're talking about the creator of all things. Rob, this is how I want you to approach me, and this is how you're to worship me. Yes, sir, <laughs> is the right response. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You tell me to jump, I'm going to say hi, how high. And he's like, don't get weird on me. Just love me and I'll love you. Because these things that I'm sharing with you, they're going to bring life to you. Your life is going to be fruitful. It's going to be a blessing. But as soon as you start, you know, I know you because I've created you in my image. And so when you allow the, the devil and, and him to cause you to do these things in your flesh, you want to do them, do you understand that I have to say something about it? I can't just let you go. It's like my daughter, when she was on her big wheel, going down our road, you know, there's a road out in front of our house, and she's going down our driveway. We had to put cones up at the end. Honey, don't go past those cones. And then when she tried to sneak past them, we had to spank her. And why? Because we don't want her dead. And God is like the same way. He's like, if you continue being a drug user and snorting cocaine and injecting meth and heroin into your veins, you're probably going to die. You continue in that lifestyle, you're going to die. You continue in unprotected you know, uh, homosexual activity, you're going to get sick and you're going to die. If you continue doing these things that are bad, you continue sleeping around, and you continue... Um, having adulterous relationships with other people who are married, you're going to get shot. There's going to be a jealous husband who's going to pull out 45 good reasons why you should stay away from his wife. And you'd better listen. <laughs> In Deuteronomy, well, you know, I, I think I've given that point enough time. But notice at the end of verse 3, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before them, before the children of Israel. This last part uh, of this verse is uh, really important, you know, and we, and we looked at that, and um, God is serious about sin. Notice verse 4 now back in our text. It says, And he, speaking Ahaz, he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places, on the hills, uh, under every green tree. Now, let me ask you a question. What tribe is Ahaz from? Judah. Who was supposed to be offering incense and offering offerings on the altar? The priest. From what tribe? Levite. 
from Levi. Very clear in the word of God. If you've, we've been going through this together. Very clear. It's to be them. They are the ones to do it. Not someone from Judah. So Ahab wasn't even supposed to do this. But notice it says, and he... He sacrificed and burnt incense on the high hills under every green tree. He wasn't supposed to do it. But because he was so far gone in other areas, why would he think rightly? He was already corrupted. He was, he was in it. And also the worship was only to, be, to take place at the altar in Jerusalem. It tells us this. Off to the side of verse 4, write this reference. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Verse 13, and let me read it to you. Deuteronomy 12, verse 13. This is what it says. God speaking to his people before they even come into the promised land. What does he tell them? Take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses. In one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. So God is saying, once you get into the promised land, I'm going to choose one of your tribes, and in a specific place, I'm going to have you do this. And through the process of time, God made it very clear. It was Jerusalem through the tribe of Judah, or, or through, through the Levites. And, and they were to be the worship leaders. They were the ones where they would bring the animals to be sacrificed. Yes, animals. Remember the Old Testament, the New Testament? They sacrificed animals to cover our sin. Or, or to make atonement for our sin. An innocent life in place of mine. And God allowed that. It's called... Um, uh, a propitiation. There's a fancy word. Substitutional forgiveness. Atone, substitutional atonement. But now that Jesus once and for all came, there's no longer need for animal sacrifices. He laid down his life once and for all. And so it was going to be in Jerusalem at the altar. But notice what Ahaz does. He's putting up these little altars all around Jerusalem, everywhere, and then in verse 5, it says, Then reason, king of Syria, he's the Aramaeans, these are the Syrians, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel. Notice now, they came up to Jerusalem to make war with Ahaz, and they besieged Ahaz. Now, uh, not only was reason, the king of Syria, coming after him, but now his neighbors, his own brothers from the north, are now coming against him as well. And one thing you have to remember is that Israel, or excuse me, Jerusalem, is on the top of a mountain range, Mount Moriah. And because it's well fortified, it's got walls all around it, it's got a water source going through the middle of it. So they have plenty of water, they're well fortified, not an easy place to take over. And so, um, you know, they, 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 it was very hard to be victorious over this city. So now you got Syria, the king of Assyria, or uh, king of Syria, excuse me, and Pekah, the northern ten tribes, the king of the northern ten tribes. Now they're both coming down upon Jerusalem. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to um, Isaiah chapter 7, because there's two passages that I'd like for you to really consider reading, and we're going to be touching on a lot of this tonight. Um, it's Isaiah chapter 7 and Second Chronicles chapter 28. As you read this 16th chapter in Second Kings 16, if you were to only go to Second Chronicles 28 and Isaiah 7, it will fill in all the blanks. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.